Nothing you hear in this program constitutes investment advice. It is an expression of opinion only. This is Frisbees, Bulls and Bears. Talking money and markets, what's happening and why. We talk to the experts, the traders, the investors and the companies they're investing in. You're listening to Frisbees, Bulls and Bears with Dominic Frisbee. Hello and welcome to Frisbee's Bulls and Bears with me, Dominic Frisbee. A reminder that you can subscribe to the show by clicking on the subscribe via email button on the left-hand side of your screen. And then every time I upload a new show, which is an irregular occurrence, you will be notified in your inbox. And that's the only email you'll receive. So, I'm, uh, I'm sitting in the pub and I'm having a pint with my good friend. My good friend is Keith Newmeyer, And Keith is the president of uh, First Majestic Silver, which is uh, one of the few Mexican silver stories which has made it, if you like. It went from being a small exploration company, it raised lots of capital, and there's now... How many operating mines have you got? Six mines. Six operating mines. So there you go. And, he, he t um, and the, the company started off as just a... A tiny market cap of a few million dollars, and at one stage it was more than a billion dollars, wasn't it? Almost three billion. It's Almost over a billion right now. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, uh, we're, we're about 1.5 billion currently, and it hit a high of close to three billion. Okay, well, there you go. So the, the achievement speaks for itself. Now, Keith, you've been in, uh, in mining since 1961. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I was born in 1960, so uh, you know, since uh, the late 80s. Since the late 80s, and we were just talking before this interval, you were saying this is like Briex. Do you think it's as bad as it was in the late 90s, or do you think it's worse? I'm just talking about the well, overall Yeah, sentiment. the overall sentiment in the market. You know, it, it's, it's, uh, you, you've got a, a sell-on for uh, absolutely similar to what we experienced in the late 90s. Um, no one wants to own a mining stock. Um, which is very unfortunate. Uh, fundamentals are being overlooked. Um, you know, we're being put into this camp of undesirables that, uh, um, you know, because of many reasons, and uh, um, you know, unfortunately, the metal price is, is, is the, the, the the key element that started the whole process. But now, you know, it seems like the mining business or you know, mining companies globally are just under attack for you know multiple reasons and it's all surrounding you know the, the share price performance yeah now we we talked we were just talking at the beginning of the show i mean there were just so many mining companies uh say three or four years ago and many of them just run by people who had no experience in mining and you know there are a lot of industries like this they're incredibly simple when you get them right but they're very easy to get wrong and therefore it's a much harder business than just sticking a drill in the ground and digging out rock. But this is nothing different than um, what we experienced at the, in the 1980, 1998, 1999, 2000 where you had you know, a bunch of used car salesmen uh, try to you know, uh, form your next high tech you know, multi-billion dollar venture and you know, the, the NASDAQ was you know, going up every day and uh, you know, people were raising tens of millions of dollars on business plans or ideas that made no sense. And, uh, you know, in any bull market, as the resource sector has experienced over the last several years, you saw, as I put it, a lot of these used car salesmen enter the market, and, and these people shouldn't have been in the market. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, these are entrepreneurs that chase money, and, uh, 
is everyone you know gets greedy and people put throw money at them and uh, you know the ball just turns and you know people make money and then when it's all over you know people lose money and, uh, and then all of a sudden they turn around and blame the mining sector but yet it's got nothing to do with the mining sector it's just the way investment trends work and uh, you know people get foolish and then uh, you know it, it's unfortunate but that's reality and you, you know, I've often said that you know, in, in any business, um, whether it's high technology, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, biotechnology or, or mining, there's really only a few good companies in every sector. And, and uh, so you as an investor, you know, there's a, you have a lot of uh, responsibility to make sure that your money is going after the right companies. And it's hard to do, obviously, and you need to do your own due diligence. You need to, you know, have good advisors and so on. But don't expect... You know, if you buy 10 mining stocks or 10 high-tech stocks or 10 whatever stocks, that all 10 are going to go up because they're, they're simply not. Um, you know, really, I don't know what the ratios are, but, you know, probably one out of, you know, every few hundred companies actually do extremely well. Yeah, but that said, because the mining sector is now so universally loathed, it kind of almost doesn't matter what you do. Well, some some mining companies will feel it doesn't matter what they do; they're still going to be sold. Oh, for sure, and uh, that's. But you know, for me, I've been buying. You know, there's. Yeah. Um, I, I not that I like the market. Yeah. My portfolio looks like crap right now, as it's, this is not the first time I've been buying. But you know, I, I've picked away at some stocks I really like over the last six months, and uh, not that I'm I'm thinking we're at a bottom because. You know, maybe we're not, but but I'm, I'm hoping we are. But at the same time, you know, I think it is a good time. If you've got, you know, $10,000 to invest or $100,000 to invest, you know, this is the time to be picking away. You know, uh, buy 5 or 10% uh, of what you want to invest every month, you know, for the next 6 or 10 months. Because I think we, if we haven't seen the bottom yet, I'm pretty confident that we will, we will see the bottom over the next 6 or 12 months. Okay, now I'd like to talk about you know where the low in silver could be but before I ask that you know you you've got six producing mines you're a successful company you're you're all in cash costs of 15 or 16 bucks but your cost of production is about 8 or 9 bucks um, you're in a strong position are you are you kind of looking at other companies are you looking at evaluating other deals are you having people coming to you with their hands with the begging bowl is all this going on we have done this continually right from the beginning uh, 2013 was First uh, Majestic's 10th year anniversary, uh, something we're very proud of. We actually exceeded uh, 10 years, 10, 10 million ounces production. Uh, you'll see a news release going out in the next couple of days where, where I'm actually projecting the company to reach 20 million ounces production. But this is based on our current assets um, without any acquisition. But how we've got to where we are today, because we've broken you know, 11 million ounces of production this year, and we're expecting to get to over 13 million ounces in 2014, this has been done through acquisition. And we've acquired good assets, we've developed those assets, we've got a great team that has been able to develop these assets into producing mines and so on. But you know, to keep growing, you know, I want to keep uh, buying assets, and this is the best time I've seen probably since you know, 2005, 2006. Uh, that um, for us to be buying assets better than 2008. Yeah, because that was such a short, short-lived period. We actually did buy a company in 2009. Yeah, um, called a company called Normabec, where we picked up a really good asset, 
uh, 50 million ounces for uh, 11 million dollars. And uh, you know that's one of our yeah. next producing mines. You know, looking out to 2017 or or around that time frame. But um, you know, but it, because it was so short lived, it, 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 there wasn't enough assets yeah. on, on, on out there available. This time, there's a lot more assets available, and uh, we've been looking at um, at least a half a dozen over the last three or four months. Are you tempted to? Like I know when you started out, you were kind of going. I want to build a pure silver play. I don't want to, you know, I really like silver and I want to build a pure silver play. Are you, as part of that kind of purest attitude, you know, you, so, you're, so you're a leverage bet on silver, if you like. Did you, are you kind of tempted to kind of buy everything? And just in kind the, of, in, you mean you know, in the way of all metals? No, I mean all these, all these tempting silver assets that are, that are, you know, coming coming past your desk, are you tempted to kind of buy as many as you possibly can and almost kill the corner of the silver market? Hmm. I mean, you can't do that. Well, you know well, what I mean? first with chest, it's not a silver standard model. No. Uh, you know, where, where grade didn't make any difference, um, economics didn't make any difference. Ultimately, every decision that we make has to be financially viable at some point in the future. I can't yeah. be buying, you know, a, a 30 gram per ton silver asset that uh, needs you know $50 silver to be profitable. Um, not that I'm not thinking that we can see $50 silver, but you know I, I can't be using our money today to be buying assets at those kinds of valuations. Okay. Um, uh, or, or, yeah, just assets like that. Um, great is king, and I'm a big believer of that. Um, you, you need to buy assets that can produce silver at lower prices that we have today and higher prices. You can't just buy an asset that produces a higher prices. Okay. Because because when well when in my view anyways, you know the, the, the mining sector is very cyclical and you go through trends that you know can last, you know, five, ten years, uh, plus or minus uh, some positive, some negative for the metal prices. And you you these towns and communities and and, and uh, the company relies, you know, on these mines. And uh, you know, I don't want to be, be in a situation where we're turning on and turning off mines and throwing people in unemployment and then all of a sudden hiring everyone again. It's just it's a chaotic system. And uh, you know, I, I want to buy or I want to develop mines that, that are there for life. You know, I want to be able to you know, have a community rely on these mines for the next 50 years. And, and uh, in order to do that, you need to have good mines that have decent grade and that have good metallurgy, that have good people around them. Still Mexico the best place for silver mining? Well, you know, it, it's become challenging. You know, I think, um, you know, there, I mentioned earlier, um, you know, about an attack on mining worldwide, you know, and, uh, you know, you have governments thinking that mining companies make nothing but money. And uh, you know, try, try, trying to you know tax us and then make our life. Because there was that royalty, wasn't there? There was the, the New Mexican, yeah. Yeah, the New Mexican royalty, yeah, yeah. But you know, it, it's you know, I think mining companies kind of deserve it in a way. You know, um, 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 you know, mining companies spend a lot of time telling shareholders how cost-effective their operations are, and there was like I call it the race to the bottom. You know, where you had all these mining companies saying. Well, we're the lowest cost producer, and they say, and they had this cash cost, you know, analysis or cash cost measurement that uh, mining companies were using for years, and people or mining companies continually took everything they could take out of that calculation as possible, 
to make it small, you know, less and less and less. So, you know, they all of a sudden you're, uh, uh, you know, a 700 gold, you know, ounce producer, $700 ounce gold producer, and, and gold's 1900 and the governments get all excited about that and think, okay, well, you know, we're not getting our piece, so they throw a tax on you, and then all of a sudden the money coming to insurance says, well, in fact, our cost isn't 700 it's actually 1700 <laughs> you know, because we've actually been, you know, hiding all those other costs, and, and, and now everyone's paying for it, yeah. and uh, so <laughs> it's just a totally screwed up system, quite, quite honestly, and, uh, yeah. um, you know, mining companies are learning, you know, I'm not sure whether governments are going to go backwards or not, but um, the mining business is getting tougher for sure. And Where do you stand on the 43101 debate? A lot of people are calling into question the validity of the, the 43101 system of measuring ounces in the ground. In what respect? You mean from a uh, exploration? Uh, yeah, standpoint? I'm talking about exploration now. Yeah. Well, 43101 is a it was brought in because of the BREAC situation. Um, it, it's, it's, it's there to protect shareholders or investors, but unfortunately what you've got is you've got a system where if you're an explorer, you don't have to report economics. And if you're a, a producer, you have to um, um, discuss economics. And, and um, so it, it creates this, this um, two-sided um, or, or very unequal way of measuring. So, so for us as a, as a producing company, you know, for example, we say we have you know 50 million ounces in the ground in a particular mine. You know, we have to wrap a whole bunch of economics around that. We have to wrap. We have to say, okay, well, you know, it's our our mining equipment is two meters, so we, we can't include anything less than two meters, right? Um, and, 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 the, and, and the recoveries are X, uh, and the metal prices is X, so we can't include any metal less than a certain grade. So all these economics are thrown at it, so you end up with a resource. And, and, um, and, then, and then as metal prices fluctuate, the resource also fluctuates as well because of all the different financial um, numbers that surround that. Um, so it's, for an investor, it makes it very difficult. And, and for the mining company, it makes it very difficult as well because we're spending a lot of money to dance around this whole regulatory system where, and, and the regulators expect us to keep these 431s up to date based on all these new economic parameters. So it costs us a fortune to do that because we, all, we have to continue drilling, we have to continue developing, we have to continue all metallurgical um, um, tests. And we have to adjust those numbers according to the current economic environment of the time. So that's for a producing company. An explorer, all they have to do is drill a hole. And, 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 and they don't need to wrap economics around it. So they could have a 10 centimeter intersection of silver, gold, lead, zinc, copper, and they could say, boom, this is so exciting. You know, we've got all this metal in the ground. And they could then wrap this whole um, resource around this whole this drilling program, and say we've got X amount of silver ounces, we got X amount of copper, we got X amount of whatever, and and, and the, you know it's 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 not that it's not valid, but it doesn't mean it's economic. Getting those ounces or those pounds of metal out of the ground could be completely uneconomic, 
yet the 43101 system for explorers does not cover economics. Therefore, it's completely misleading to shareholders or investors. Very good. We, just before this interval, we were looking, interview, we were looking at uh, some projections for silver and gold this year, and we saw one chap saying we're going to see $50 silver and 2000 gold in 2014. Uh, and we both looked at each other with a slightly jaded, cynical expression on our faces. What? Um, I mean, I, I think the worst of the bear market is over, but that doesn't mean that prices still can't get lower. Um, I mean, I could easily see silver at least touching $15 once again. I don't say it will happen. I could see gold going back to 1050 or even at a push 750 um, But uh, then again, you know, all these things look obvious after the event. You could just as easily see gold going to 1500 and silver going to, you know, 30 or 35 What, 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 where, what are you kind of... Because I know part of First Majestic's... You do actually trade um, silver futures as part of the... Uh, part of your business practice so what are your kind of projections for 2014 and the silver and gold price well I surely didn't project 2013 um, you know we came into 2013 with $30 lower and um, you know June is always a low month and uh, I, I usually go along myself every June I, I'm a physical buyer so I, I buy my physical position of gold and silver every June and have for the last several years so um, and I've done quite well doing it. Not that I've sold any of my metal, but yeah. but I've got good prices as a result of using that strategy. So you know, coming into um, early 2013 with a, with with um, pretty you know decent metal price. You know, when we looked at the Christmas time of 2012, we had $32 silver, and uh, uh, you know I was expecting to see a rally in, 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 into March April as we normally do. Yeah, but uh, we didn't. You know. Uh, metal just completely fell apart uh, and continually dropped into a period of time that is normally quite bullish. Um, so it, it surprised, you know, I, for me and I think a lot of other people that are that know this sector quite well. And we saw 18.30 at a low in June, and I was a buyer then, and I was a happy buyer on the first Majestic block, silver, and we actually held back over uh, 700,000 ounces of production. Um, at, at that time, and we were praised by our shareholders for doing that. We ended up turning around and selling those ounces at 23 to 25 dollars in the rally in, in August. Yeah, if you remember silver hit 25 dollars in August. Yeah, and uh, and I thought that was it. And then all of a sudden, you know, things turned around, and we, you know, we tested the mid 19s again uh, just recently. And, and uh, so I don't know. Right now, it's it should be a time of, of, of uh, bullishness. You know, we should see metal moving higher right now. Um, uh, my concern is that if we don't see a major move here in gold, I'm breaking through 1250 and heading up to 1350 and 1400 in the next, you know, 30 to 60 days, um, we're going to see lower metal prices um, just because of seasonality. Yeah. Um, um, and because I'm a big seasonal believer. Um, and and uh, if that, in fact, happens, we'll probably see a low in June like we normally do. And, and that low, you know, if we see a rally to 1,400 gold, then then I'm sure it'll drop back to where it is today in the 1,200 range. 
that would be a great buying opportunity. If we see a flat gold price in the mid to mid to 1200 where it's to that today, it stays there until March, April, then it's probably going to test its lows that we saw last year, and it could actually see lower lows, unfortunately. What, what that means, I don't have a crystal ball, I can't pick a number, but um, yeah, I, would, I would be very cautious right now uh, coming into this sector. 1050 is an obvious number for gold, just because it was mm. the high for so long. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, very good analysis. How, how manipulated is the silver market? Well, you know, when I was uh, 12 years old, uh, looking at my life, <laughs> and uh, formulating what I'm going to do next. Okay. And, um, I, I actually believe that um, we are in a system where you work hard, you make money. You're lazy, you don't make money. Um, and and uh, you know, actual, actual supply demand fundamentals actually drove markets. And unfortunately, you know, that is not the case. And um, you know, we, we just simply do not have a world right now where supply-demand fundamentals make any sense at all. Or actually, they make sense to you and I, but they have no influence on pricing. They're, and and uh, that's, that's a very sick market. You know, and, and uh, when you have governments uh, involved in trading markets around the world, and I'm not, who cares about gold and silver because they're tiny. You know, these markets barely show up in their daily discussions. Of course, it does probably come up in an odd meeting of theirs. Um, but, you know, they're talking about interest rates. They're talking about oil prices. They're talking about, you know, currencies and where they, you know, they're talking about big stuff. And, 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 and they get down to the, you know, 10th or 20th item on their list and they get down to gold and silver and they, they figure out what they're going to do with that. But, but I honestly believe that every single market around the world equities, commodities, uh, are manipulated by our governments. And we've, we've elected these people. You know, the people of this planet elected the governments that run this world. And if the people have to stand up and they have to put a stop to this if they expect to, to ever see a market that is actually priced based on supply demand fundamentals when we were, when we were young. And uh, I, I watched an interview um, of, uh, 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 on CNBC, the, the, the um, geez, what's his name, one of the, Charles Schwab, Charles Schwab, he was on CNBC. And he said this in his criticism, like, you know, he's an older guy, been around forever, and he said this is the most difficult market he's ever experienced in his career. He said today my, in my clients cannot make an investment based on fundamentals. He said, my well, clients... The, the fundamentals have become whatever the central bank is going to do. And that's, that's his point. He said that the, my clients today have to follow the central bank, what they do. And that's it. You cannot buy a company today based on fundamentals. The fundamentals mean nothing. And this is Charles Schwab. Like, you know, you know if, if I'm an idiot, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways. Okay, so, I mean, I take your point. The, so, you're saying the supply-demand fundamentals are incredibly in Silver's favor? I think so, and that's why I put together a silver company. When I looked at, um, I came from a copper business uh, prior to this one, and uh, 
you know, in, in, in when I saw the metals turning, I saw the gold and uh, bottom in gold in 2002, and I, was, I looked back at copper again. I looked at gold, I, and and uh, then silver just like it completely intrigued me, and and uh, and I said, geez, this is a really interesting you know, metal, um, you know, for all the reasons we know, you know, the you know technology, the you know, um, uh, computers and electronics and. You know, uh, you know all, all the stuff we know, and and uh, I said I said this, this has got to be the most exciting supply demand fundamental story I know of, so uh, I decided to put, it, to put together a silver company. But at a certain point, surely, you know, there's going to be a shortfall of silver. Well, there is already, but uh, you know, does it really matter? Uh, well, uh, I mean, with gold, I don't think it does. But with silver, I think it does because it's actually used. I know, but um, you know, so so if someone waits, so if you're Sony, and and you and you do a deal with HSBC or JP Morgan and say, I need, you know, 10 million ounces of silver in 2014 to build my televisions and computers, and they say, okay, no problem, we'll 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 send you the silver. So you know, they go out and price it. They go and do put all their instruments together to. To make sure Sony gets their silver the price they wanted to get it at, and uh, so it's obviously in their vested interest to keep it, you know, in a fairly tight range so they can supply Sony with the silver. And Sony gets their silver, and let's say all of a sudden, you know, J.P. Morgan, HSBC, they can't get the physical, and they phone up Sony, and say, "Oh, we got to wait a few weeks," you know, this time around. And it has happened. It wouldn't have been the first time it's happened tomorrow. So Sony says, "Okay, fine." So the plant shuts down. You know, really? For, yeah, we, we saw it in China. Their plant shut down last year. Because they, of silver shortage. Producing Max. Yeah, there was a shortage. You can Google it. Um, uh, one of the Apple's uh, lines shut down for like, I don't know, a week or something like that. Because yeah. they didn't have the silver they needed. Apparently, that's the word I got. So, <laughs> so, I didn't know that. So, so, who cares? Yeah. So, does does anyone fret about it? Does, they, does it hit the headlines? Does, you know, you know, maybe it's supposed at some point, you know, but where is that point where all of a sudden, you know, a month goes by and Toyota or Sony doesn't get their silver and then they start screaming. But are, is it in their vested interest to scream? Do you think you could ever put together an OPEC for silver companies or is too much silver produced as byproduct? I don't think the G20 would let it happen. I think that um, the last cartel that we'll ever see in our life is OPEC. They did whatever they could to destroy the diamond cartel, and that's pretty well gone. And um, you know the Saudis and and uh, you know the the um, OPEC dollar or the, or the or the what do they call it the the petrodollar is obviously you know the primary reason why the whole cartel stays together. Yeah. We'll okay. Um, you so. You're, I'm reading there a, a kind of frustration with the way markets have gone, but still a fundamental bullishness about silver, but perhaps a, a resignation that we might have to wait a few years. Would that be a fair way to say? When I say wait a few years, I mean wait for wait a few years and we'll get our $50 silver or our $100 silver. Or you know, I, I, my thesis is that we will see triple-digit triple, triple digit silver prices. I think we will. Um, but what it all... What that actually means from a world, um, you know, basis, you know, I just don't know. Just you know, does it does it mean the 
the breakup of the G10 does it mean the, the uh, you know the breakup of the of the of the reserve currency and, and uh, okay. the whole new system coming in? I don't know what it's going to take. Now you you sell you sell first majestic silver ounce coins. Are you do, thinking yeah. of doing a bit silver coin, Bitcoin silver or something like that? Yeah, no, no, I'll let, I'll let you do that. Okay, that's too complicated for me. <laughs> I'm not a mathematician. I'm just a simple guy. Okay, very good, Keith. And um, why don't you tell us? Uh, and if it's private, don't worry, and I'll, I'll edit it out. But uh, you and your missus have, have last year you had a little baby girl. Why, why don't you tell us uh, uh, by way of uh, uh, this is a good um, indication of your commitment to the medal. Why don't you tell us what her name is? Well, actually, she's not that too far away. I think she, uh, her mother just w took her outside to get some nice breezy London air in her face, but. Uh, her name is Allegra Argenta. There you go. And we're very proud of her. She's, she's turned 15 months old, and she's a bubbling, very happy little baby. And uh, I hope she loves her name when she gets older, to, old enough to understand it. Very good. And uh, yeah, and she's she's um, no doubt she has silver fibers in her duvet. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of silver around her, that's for sure. Very good. Well, Keith, thank you very much for talking to us and sharing the time. It was a, a fascinating interview, and and. Uh, um, I, you know, it, it's easy to say this, but I, I really commend you of what you, with what you've achieved with First Majestic because I can remember first meeting you in about maybe 2006 and, you know, you were one of a bunch of Mexican silver junior explorers stroke development stroke <coughs> production companies and, you know, you were the one that made it and all the others are all, let's just say they are what they are. So anyway, I commend you on that. Well, thanks very much, Dominic. And, uh and uh, it's, it's been great to have you following us for the years that you have, and we appreciate the, the uh, time we've had with you, and uh, Ben, best of luck on your book as well. So, oh, thank uh, you very much, and thank you for I, supporting I, I, it. A lot, lot of backslapping going on there. Anyway, well, I, I need to read the darn thing. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Keith Neumeyer of First Majestic Silver, and the ticker symbol, uh, if you're interested in, in the company, it's uh, uh, FR on Toronto, and rather fantastically on the Amex, it's... Or not Amex, New York. Oh, okay, on New York, the, sorry. NYSC, the big board, uh, AG. AG, so there you go. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks, Dominic. Frisbee's Bulls and Bears is presented and produced by Dominic Frisbee. To discuss the markets and have your say, why not visit our forum at globaledgeinvestors.com. That's globaledgeinvestors.com. To join our mailing list so you can be updated as soon as a new show is posted, please email info at dominicfrisbee.net or simply subscribe through iTunes.